Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Welcome back to another episode of FOMO Fans. Uh, I'm excited to have you. Excited for many reasons. Uh, this episode is chocked full of fun times with one of my, well, I would say, I'm going to call him my new best friend. Uh, and on top of that, not only do we have an interview style podcast for this episode, which I think you guys are really going to enjoy, but we have, yes, ladies and gentlemen, a brand new sponsor for uh, really the next couple of months. Uh, we have the Call for Code, callforcode.org, uh, which is an organization that is really trying to bring developers together where innovation and technology come together for good. And their first initiative is they're trying to get developers to sign up and code to solve one issue. And this first issue is national, national, natural disaster preparedness and relief. And the question is, how will you answer your call? And so you don't have to be a developer. You can be a developer. You can be someone that is in the tech space. You can simply share this with maybe one of your developer friends. Uh, so much stuff coming around this. I'm going to do a full episode on this new sponsor, on the call for code. Uh, I've been preaching for a long time on this show, as well as on all the stages that I go on that the future of innovation is collaboration and I mean this this initiative they came to me uh, it's embodies collaboration it's the David Clark cause has has teamed up with IBM I've been working with IBM for about six plus years or so they've also collaborated with the United United Human Rights Organization American Red Cross the Linux Foundation Angel Hack Cloud Native Computing Foundation and the uh, new enterprise uh, associations as well so I'm going to give you guys a little bit more information on this cause, uh, the reason I am teamed up with them. Really excited. Uh, they're putting money behind uh, this show, this podcast, really hopefully bring education. But my you know, my goal with every one of my sponsors is to drive awareness and hopefully um, get people doing good things. And you guys know that that's a big deal for me. And this cause, I mean, think about it. If 20 billion or 20 million developers can come together to solve a world problem, a crisis, a disaster relief problem. Imagine what we can do to change the world. So, uh, really excited. Thank you for to be. I'm proud to be a content partner for the Call for Code. So they are now an ambassador for FOMO fans. You're going to hear a little bit more about them over the next couple uh, episodes, but. That's all for now. It's time to jump into our interview. It is with Damian Ross. He has been on the road trip with me for the last 11 days. He is a smart guy, a funny guy. Um, you're going to hear a little bit about how we are making people snort. Uh, we almost got into a fight in Kansas City, but it ended up being just a, a passionate Pittsburgh sports fan. Uh, just love this guy. I tell you what, you're gonna. this isn't the last time you'll hear about him, but uh, check us out. Listen to the show. Check out our sponsors, Call for Code. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode of FOMO Fans. Cheers, my friends. What's up, everybody? Brian Fanzo. And we are back from a road trip. I'm recording in my home office. If you guys listened to the last episode, I was actually recording on this crazy road trip in a hotel 
Indianapolis. And I actually mentioned that there is a guy recording a video in the other one uh, for Road, Road to 300. And no, it was not that kind of video um, in the other room. But um, it was uh, the guy that I have with me for this episode. We pretty much spent the last 10 days together. Uh, today was our, or actually the last 11 days. Today was our first day apart. And we were so much missing each other. We had to do a show together. Um, so the fact that we spend that much time together and still want to hang out is uh, is plenty enough. But uh uh, Damon, give me give people a little bit of background to tell them what you do for a living, a little bit uh, about that. And we'll get into like Road to 300 and all that stuff. But give people kind of the overview of who you are other than the giant guy next to me and all the pictures on social media this week. Sure, sure. So for me, um, you know, I have like a 25 years kind of sales and marketing background. But for the last year and a half, I've been working with uh, social media marketing world and um, obviously social media examiner, who is kind of the mothership of social media marketing world. And I sell sponsorship for the event. I travel the country full time in a 42 foot fifth wheel with my best friend, Nikki. Uh, both of us wanted to get out of California back in 2017 for the last 13 months we've been doing that. And, uh, you know, father, four kids, almost all grown, got one left. It's like 17, almost there. But uh, other than that, that's kind of me. And I think we'll obviously we'll get into more about me as we go here. And you say my name, Damien, which a lot of people, if they see me online or if that's how they meet me, they think it's Demian or something to that effect. But it's just Damien. So, so your mom just liked to make it complicated on you for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's a Herman Hesse book that I maybe it, she made it complicated, but then also when social media came out, there are a lot of Damien Rosses spelled the correct way. If that's the correct way you spell Damien, but there weren't a lot of. I probably I was early enough adopter. I probably could have got Damien just solo on all of those, but I just was thinking back then you got to put first name last name. Uh, what am I Prince? You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> what am I Madonna? <laughs> like that kind of thing. And this show is not brought to you by Arby's. It's the first time I had Arby's in like, I want to say 15 years, but I was stuck. There was nowhere else to go. When you're driving a big rig, sometimes you have to eat where you can find food. All right. So let's start there. Um, you know, you and I were on the road. We were not in your rig. We were renting a car um, with a Canadian and a shrub um, and traveling from Ohio uh, to uh, Denver. But I think, you know, for me, I wanted to kind of talk, you know, I'm going to set the bar high for you to start with just so uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, for those that yeah. don't know, how tall are you? Uh, six, six point six, but because my name is Damien, that's a lot of sixes. And I just rounded down to six, six. So he's six, six point six and I'm five, nine, if I have the right shoes on. Um, and, um, but I think one of the things I wanted to kind of bring up or first, you know, we, we are, we're both, you know, uh, different in age, different in height, different backgrounds, grew up on different coasts, but we immediately, uh, aligned. We had this crazy long Uber, Uber, the, the most expensive Uber we've ever taken, which was $144 and 44 cents, which to go well, to your. Six six. Let's be honest. It wasn't the most expensive one I took because you paid for it. Oh, it was, the most, ex- <laughs> it was the most expensive one I've been a part of. The most expensive one you rode in, and we exactly. had uh, a fun two-hour dialogue on. But you know, I think you you brought up a little bit about being in sales and marketing over twenty years, and a lot of what we kind of found out on this road trip, hanging out together, was it's pretty amazing how it just really does come down to relationships and people and conversations, getting to know with, uh, getting to know people. And we were kind of amazed, but we almost expected people to really enjoy the road trip and build business without really having to become sales and marketing. So I'm curious from your background, just from, you know, you, you have a very interesting background, lots of different industries you've worked in. Give us your thoughts. Like where has sales and marketing changed a whole lot or did we just try to fix like what, what are your thoughts just on where sales and marketing has come from when you started in this game? You know, I was probably in diapers then and then where it's, you know, where it's at today. 
Yeah. So earlier today, I saw someone tweet out what Marcus Sheridan said, that the old ways are not coming back. And I think there's a lot of that that's true, but I think he's talking about the old ways of digital, to be honest with you. And I think there's really new ways in digital still using the same tools that we used, you know, even 10, eight years ago. But for me, I think the analog side of things, the relationship side of things is still so important. And I'll use really any company I've worked for, I, I think the only one that maybe you could get away with it is maybe Apple, uh, where you could tell people you work for Apple and, and almost 100% would probably know who you work for and be in love with the brand. So even when I went to work for Social Media Marketing World, I'd been to the event four years before. And I, even though I'm a, a professional salesperson, there was something about it that I thought as long as I contact the right people, instantly they'd be like, oh, I want to buy from you. Right. They still have the relationship with me. And it's 2018. And they have zero relationship with me. They like the brand, but now they got to trust Damien. And so I have spent really the last four months trying to really work on getting people to know, like, and trust Damien so that they can, they already know, like, and trust the brand for the most part, but they really have to know, like, and trust Damien in order to do business with me, which is crazy because you think just the brand in itself and the brand's social presence would be enough. It's not. You got to trust the sales guy, gal that you're dealing with too. So, I think trust is a big theme. Those who are listening to the show on a regular basis, they know I, you know, I preach about every business is in the business of trust, uh, really, no matter where, where you're doing your business. I don't care if it's doing your business online, offline, uh, on the road. But I'm curious. So when you, you know, for the give a little background on your road to 300, right? You're doing a you're doing a, a daily vlog, which you know, daily vlog sounds intimidating for those that are listening. You know, daily vlog means a video blog that he's actually posting every single day. He's done it for 103 straight days so far. Um, it, it sounds intimidating. It sounds like a lot of work. I can tell you, I spent 11 days with him. It is a ton of work. It takes uh, a, a dedication to your audience twice or three times on those 11 days. He had to, he had to remove, you had to remove yourself from the event where we were at or wherever we were doing to, to shoot it or to edit it. It was very, you know, like to me, I respected that. I respected your vlog even that much more being on the road with you because I was able to see that focus on the content and your audience and how engaged you are. But you're a sales and marketing guy. You're doing some big business, mostly B2B uh, in the tense, in the sense of what your job is. What was the, what was the kind of thought of doing a video blog first? And then how is it kind of even probably, and I kind of know a little bit of this answer, but how has it uh, even been more exciting along the way since you're 103 days in? Yeah. So at first it really was hundred percent a creative outlet. That's all it was. So the majority of my background is in marketing, but I've always been kind of a, a sales guy too, which I think has probably made me kind of good at marketing and then also made me good at sales. It's kind of one of those things you have to have credit before you can get credit. It kind of goes back and forth with each other. So for me, it was 100% of a creative outlet. I just wanted and to really work on some sort of discipline. Obviously, I knew that it could have a potential to build relationships, but that wasn't like how I went into it. I went into it. I spend the most of my day in Salesforce. I spend most of my day in Google Docs, in kind of phone calls and meetings. So it's just very kind of the same kind of thing. And I wanted something that allowed me to one, express just kind of my thoughts on business and marketing and sales. Also showcase kind of this travel nomad lifestyle I'm living. And uh, it was for me like a little bit of a disciplinary challenge. I'm not always so disciplined in my kind of endeavors. I've had a lot of things I've started and I, I started a vlog before. I, I think I, I spent more time talking about that I was going to start a vlog than the actual vlog. Now, 
for those that haven't watched it, the word vlog is one of those kind of ambiguous terms. Um, if you're thinking Casey Neistat, I'm not putting that time of time and energy into it. I'm literally usually setting up my camera on a tripod and I'm speaking into it for three to four minutes. And then I try to chop it down to at least that, you know, 220 seconds so it can live on Twitter and then obviously gets kind of cut off on Instagram. Um, but there were times on the road where I was bringing in B-roll and like secondary video and setting up shots and things that I don't really have to worry about. It, I felt like yesterday's shot was just standing in the middle of the creek in Oregon was just a lot easier to set up. It didn't take a lot. And that was just my thought process on Happy Canada Day. I'm still rocking the same shirt from yesterday. I just realized, okay, <laughs> I, I shower and I swear. So really, that's all it was. And then... I would say somewhere in the day 40, I saw a good shift in where I saw my first couple of prospects that I've been trying to reach out with no result started to comment or retweet or reshare the post. And I thought, well, this is incredible. People that I want to get in touch with are now somewhat getting in touch with me. And it, and it's, it's so much more of an easier opening of a door. It's almost like a, like a handshake has already taken place, a digital handshake. And now I just have to follow in and figure out who the right person is. They already like and trust me enough to share me on their, you know, Twitter account or their Facebook page. They're telling their followers, hey, this guy has got a great point. Listen to it. So the trust is already there, which is nice. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's an interesting element as well. And, you know, for those, you know, there, there's, we'll put links in the bio of the show notes for um, the vlog. You know, I actually went back after being on the road with you and watched kind of like the first 12 or so. Nice. Uh, Day, which was it was just fun because it you you know you have a different microphone you can tell you have a different um kind of not, not even style but you've kind of been ch changing up to see what works but you know i another piece of this that you said really early on i think this is important and nobody really talks about that because i it, consistency is extremely important and we're recording this live on facebook live and i see some of those comments coming in thanks guys for for commenting consistency is important but also having a creative outlet as a as a business person as an entrepreneur as someone that is, you know, successful in your outlet. I'm curious, you know, we're both sports people. You know, you grew up playing uh, basketball. I grew up playing hockey. Uh, you know, your, your kids are playing sports. Uh, what are your thoughts? Like, does that have a lot to do with it as well? Because I found myself, uh, I when I became an entrepreneur, I actually stopped playing hockey. I was playing beer league hockey a couple nights a week. Uh, decided to cut that out. I cut out playing poker. We both play uh, semi-professional poker for a little while. And I did find myself getting overwhelmed, found myself, uh, feeling a little bit lost in my own environment. I, I just recently picked golf back up where I'm going to the driving range just to get myself back into that flow. Do, what are your thoughts there on having a creative? Maybe it's not vlogging, but you know, for those that are listening to this, that maybe are business owners or are small or sales people that are like, wait a second, like I'm not creating a, I don't like watching myself on video. Like what role do you think just having a creative outlet alone has helped in your business life? You know, I think for me, it, it, it is that kind of, and I usually try to shoot them after hours and you experience that. It's usually later in the evening. So I've already kind of worked my day and, you know, something has come up through the day that now usually I can talk about or see. And I think a lot of people were impressed that it's day of. I think people thought I had these canned and I was like rolling them out. Yeah, and no really it, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, you know, like immediately I, I and, and it's funny too. I don't mean to be like, I'm an artist, but there's moments where like, I'm not shooting it until I feel like it's something I want to talk about, but it does give me that creative outlet. And you're right. The discipline fact, especially with, with sports and poker, waiting for the right moment, all that kind of stuff. I just didn't have that in my life. There's only so much you can like set up. Well, for these 30 minutes, I'm just going to cold call email. There's no real like energy or adrenaline from that. And I think what I'm learning in this process is 
the side hustle, I, I really kind of consider this a side hustle. Now, will I monetize it? I, I don't know. That's not, that's not the goal. I mean, like, but branded bills liked what I was doing and sent me a bunch of caps and I love wearing caps as much as you do. I mean, dude, we have so much in common. It's weird. Kind so of <laughs> it is. So for me, it really was. And I think if you go into things like that, if you go into things with, I know it could have this positive outcome professionally and with me being able to monetize it. But if you go into it, putting that aside and just say, it's a passion project. I like it. I'm going to do it. It could help my main hustle. And you just see it as a, a separate um, let me give you an example. If I owned my own business right now, I don't think I would do like a, a, a Damien Ross business vlog. Right. I think I would still be doing my personal kind of business vlog just to, again, build relationships. I mean, because I do think like, I hate when you have to talk about yourself, but I, I do feel like I'm a pretty decent guy and like, right. it's, and I'm fun to hang out with and I'm fun to engage with. So if I can somehow get that out and I was do I've been doing it forever with written posts, just little jokes here or little stories or, you know, made up truths. Cause that's comedy. But I think there was such a, a better kind of almost 3d animated kind of sense of it when I could bring it to video and it really comes out, especially when I get to interact with people, which I haven't had a lot of that because I'm traveling the country with Nikki and I'm not always with people. So this opportunity and then watching it live has been really weird. We, you know, we spoke <laughs> in Lima, I got to watch people. And then that night at Joel's house, watching people, wa watching people watch it, is really interesting. Like you really kind of get what hit and what misses and that's really important. But I think everyone should have a creative outlet. And I think if you have a creative job, I think you need to have a boring outlet. Oh. Like you need to have like a hammock you just sit in and like whatever, if that's boring to you, you need, you need to have both. If you're just always creative or you're always just melancholy or whatever, I just, you just need that balance and, and trying to find that balance is what's really helped me. Oh, I love that. And, and we, you know, we, not only do we have a lot in common, like, I mean, we not, we hit it off. I mean, it's, it was amazing on the trip. And I think uh, I made this comment earlier today when I was telling somebody about the trip, like, I think you are actually one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my entire life. Your, your wit, your humor, uh, your ability to, to understand people's dynamics, uh, which is something that I pride myself on as a speaker, right? Being able to roll with the environment, read when, when it's okay to drop a joke, maybe not an Anthony Bourdain joke on the stage like I did uh, in Denver. It felt, felt slightly flat in some parts, but um, you know, I, I think you know, there was lots of these things that we related on. I love um, your dedication to content. I also love your, your focus on being a dad. You've also decided to do something kind of crazy as a guy that lived in the city. You're towing a, uh, you know, a fifth wheel behind you, a giant fifth wheel behind you um, across the country. But I'm curious from you as like where you are at your age now, where you are as a dad, like what, what is like a life lesson you could maybe instill in me? Um, you know, you're, you're an elder statesman to me. What is something you could kind of, kind of teach me from a business side of maybe something you figured out a little bit better now that you wish you knew 10 years ago? Sure. Hold on. Let me put my teeth in first. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa's ready to talk. <laughs> 10 years older than you. That's hysterical. All right. So I think for me, um, you know, very similar to you, you know, in the sense that I was single dad, I have four kids and, um, and I think you're going to have a much or, uh, like a harder challenge because I too became self-employed because I just needed the freedom to be able to decide when and where I work in order to handle the things that go along with raising four kids. Um, but looking back, I think I gave up on things too quickly. I expected the results to be too fast. And I think when you combine the things that you're passionate about and the things that can make you money and you stay the course for a while, um, 
I think you'll find great success. And I didn't, I, it's probably some of my ADD that obviously didn't go, they weren't diagnosing that stuff in the seventies and eighties. They just were, you know, don't give him so much sugar. He's just hyper or, you know, I, and it was harder for me because I was so tall. They just thought I was an older kid in the sixth grade class. And I'm like, we're in, <laughs> we're in sixth grade, you know, we're all the same age. Um, so I think that's really important. I think the, obviously the thing that, you know, that we talked about a lot on the trip too is, uh, you know, I've let my health go in a way. I'm just not being as active and as being former kind of athletes where that's just a big part of our life. I've got to find that. And I, I'm excited about trying to do that now. Like that's in, and again, uh, another thing I think maybe for a lot of people, stop talking about what you're going to do. I know you have the whole press the damn button, but I got really excited about talking about what I was going to do and like meeting with family and friends and explaining this whole business I was going to grow and how big it was going to be and all this bullshit. Can I cuss on the show? Yes, you can cuss. I know. I'm just like I've never seen the show before. So yeah. <laughs> that I've, I've really tried to stop doing because that was what I used to always like to do. But I don't, I, I also believe there is, you know, like, you know, speak it into existence in a way and look for accountability and things, you know, my weight, not my, not my arm, leg, face weight, but my torso belly weight has gotten bad. And it's like, that's something I need to find a way to get discipline back. And at 47, it's harder. It's easier at 37. It's easier at 27. It's harder at 47. And so for me, that's my next kind of discipline kind of project is just getting back in the shape. Because I noticed the things like you, know, you experienced when I was on the trip, my back starts to hurt me and things like that, that guys just can't carry that. So for me, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's putting family first. It's having a work-life balance. Um, I, I really try to tell everyone, get out of the nine to five, get in a job that allows you to put in your 40 plus hours a week at hours where you feel like you're on fire and you're ready to work. Because you might wake up on a Monday morning at 9 a.m. and not want to work. The remainder around 1130 on Monday, you're ready to kill it. And then you still do your eight hours from 1130. Like that's what's important. Um, and then obviously your health. You got to really, you know, and, and I'm not a living example of my health. I'm not in terrible shape in any way, but I'm not nearly where I need to be to be as active and push through some of the things as I need to. So I think those are important. Um, and then, you know, I, I, the last thing that I think I learned really late in life, if you would ask me five years ago, Brian, I wanted a 8,000 square foot house with a 10 car garage and a car in every garage. And as I think about, you know, I'm living in a 400 square foot fifth wheel right now. As I'm thinking forward, I think a thousand square foot house would be max. <laughs> and I think having the amount of things that I need to have, we made this joke on the road trip that like 90% of my possessions were on the road trip. And that's really where my life is. I mean, I know I'm wearing the Canada shirt, but normally you'll find me in a white V-neck and I, I've really dialed my life down to just be simpler. It's so much easier. And I really encourage people to get rid of the stuff, like just get rid of the stuff, less junk, more journey, which I think is a is a, a YouTube channel that I follow. They're great people. It's less junk, more journey, you know, like just okay, stop. With the song. Some country song maybe as well. Oh, right on. I think all country songs have you getting rid of shit. You lose everything. You know what you get back when you play a country song backwards, you get your wife back, you get your job back, Dog. you get your Bible back, you get your truck back, you get all that stuff back. So yeah. I think those are the things that are kind of important. So, you know, um, I was fortunate to kind of, it was, when you spend a road trip with somebody, you're, you know, we were sleeping in the same rooms. I mean, it's, you know, everything was together for these 11 days. You know, it, you either, you know, we, we were joking about uh, text yesterday, like ride or die, right? Like you yeah. figure out, you know, what the nuances are, you figure out lots of things. But one of the other things that I really stood out to me is you have a giant heart. Like you are a giving human, like, and not only giant because you're a tall guy and I, and I, and I, I know that's kind of a laugh, but like, not only are you giving to other people, but you are actively engaged. And I, I sometimes feel like those that are successful in sales and business, 
most of the time don't have that heart feeling. They kind of, I feel like they, they use the heart to play to something else. And I, you know, I can say like, I usually, when I see someone in, in sales or marketing and they're, they're overly compassionate, I, I, I ra- raises a red flag and I'm like, is this guy full of crap or is this girl full of crap or are they really do they really care? And, and for those, you know, we were at a, a steak and shake on our way from uh, Wichita uh, to Denver. And I know I didn't tell you I was going to tell this story on there, but there was a, uh, a military veteran and I'm talking a veteran that had, uh, you know, multiple wars. Uh, I don't know if uh, Damien can remember the card he had. Yeah, it was, it was Vietnam through five tours in Iraq. So he's, this is a career guy that's done it. Uh, probably got out after about a 40 year career serving the military and got out of the military because he basically got shot in the face and lost his ability to speak. But I didn't know that when I, you know, when you, I tried to talk saw, to him. You saw them sitting next to us at lunch. You went over and offered, you know, just said, thank you. Offered to pay for their, for their meal. And, and I mean, just watching them, it was like making me tear up. Right. Because they were like beyond thankful. Um, and you know, which for my, you know, my first thought is, man, so good of Damien. Like I, I'm a big believer in supporting the troops, especially um, in the state and the world we have today. Supporting, you know, military and police and teachers. I think there's a lot of thankless jobs. We both were joking, like we were making the the waitresses and wait and waiters like want to take selfies with us afterwards because we were right. trying our best to make them happy. But there was something else that it hit us both. And right after the the impact that you buying that fifteen dollar meal or whatever it was on on a retired vet and and his wife. Um, they were shocked, like as if it hadn't happened in any long time. And I think that was my second feeling, a, a feeling of of disappointment in our our society, like where the where we don't leave with our heart, where where someone is you know has given that and it's very apparent. So I'm curious from your thoughts as someone that you do lead with your heart, and I it was part of the reason, like you know, I mean, we're gonna do business together in the future. We have you know, we're gonna we're gonna ride or die for a long time. But what are your thoughts on where? Let's just not even talk online, offline, or that things like. What what inspires you to be so you know giving with not not only your time but compassionate for all people? Is that something? I mean, it's something we know the world needs more of. But where where do you think the root of that? And and how do we kind of grow? How do we get more people to just embrace compassion? So for me, it's definitely my parents. I mean, one hundred percent. You know, I got raised I got raised differently than most. Uh, and and what's what's odd about it is that you know my mom is Buddhist and my dad's atheist. So it's not a it's not a religious thing where I think a lot of people think a lot of this uh, kind of practice to serve others comes from. But I have parents that were, um, well, they're both still alive. So they're, they are, um, they are very giving with their time and their money. And um, they probably give more now with their money than their time, just because they have more money than time. I have more time than money. So I try to give with my time as much as I can. But I grew up not understanding what uh, any kind of bias or racist or uh, just, you know, judging based on anything. I just, that didn't even become a thing for me ever because my parents just didn't have that in them. They, they, they got to know someone and then they judged the person based on getting to know them. They were always doing kind of the, what you would say the right thing or the good thing. And whether it was a neighbor or a stranger and you know, you see my dad used to take Christmas presents to the trash man. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a mm. six pack of beer and $200 cash and just go down and talk to them the mailman. Like my dad was even nice to the JWs that would knock on the door Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Now he did answer at one time, completely naked, eating a bagel and they never came back. So, you know, I mean, there's only so much he can take, but so, you know, kind of where I get some of my humor from for sure. But, and so for me that I was this kind of hard knuckle kid, like I rebelled from a lot of that stuff in my, you know, my, 
my teens and my 20s. And I just got in a lot of trouble and did a lot of really terrible kind of mean things. It was just, you know, part of the environment I was living. I lived in a very gang infested neighborhood. And I thought, you know, I can be a gangster too, kind of a thing. So after that, and then you start having kids and you want them to see doors being opened and things of that nature, you know, I think we've lost a lot of that. And I think we've lost a lot of it in, you know, in chivalry too, which is weird. Like, I don't think I'm, I'm definitely not better than any woman, but there's no reason I can't treat a woman like we did in the fifties or sixties. You know what I mean? Kind of a thing. So I just, that was always around with me. So seeing, and I, I don't do it every vet I see, obviously I can't afford that, but there was just something about him that just resonated when I saw him just being, I just thought he was just there and he's being very quiet. Obviously I didn't know that he needed sign language to be able to speak. I didn't, hadn't noticed that between him and his wife. Uh, it just was easy to do because the place they put the receipt on the table, you can just go grab it and take care of it kind of a thing. But I too was kind of shocked because the wife got really emotional and even he got emotional to the point where he came over and brought this card that he already has pre-written out in his handwriting mm -hmm. that it basically says, if I was rude, I'm sorry because he can't speak. And all of that just kind of grieved me that we don't. And then obviously, you know, Canada that was with us, Amanda Robinson, she had never seen anything like that because there's probably not, maybe not a need for that in Canada, the way there is in the States where we still need to take care of our troops and treat right. them with respect the way we used to. And um, so for me, it was just, it's, it's my parents and it's something I like, even like when we were at the, uh, what is it? Social media day, Wichita, you know, getting people like water and doing stuff like that. I know people think that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger and better than that. And I've always been taught in business. Both of my business mentors were like, if you're not the guy that stops and picks up trash and sweeps the room and cleans the bathrooms, you have no business being in business. You should never get away from that. If there's a need, you fill it. You don't look for someone. And then you teach by example. And we saw that guy come up afterwards and was like, bro, that was, that was amazing. Like way to do that. And I thought that guy's going to do that one day. That guy is going to see a vet and pick up the check and he's going to teach someone next to him to do that. And that's just how we need to roll for sure. So, you know, and I think, you know, that was one of the big pieces was definitely your heart. And I think where your heart fits into everything you're doing. The second one is your humor. I said before, you're one of the funniest guys I've ever, I've ever met. You've talked about having, you know, we, we both, I think we both are really good at talking about what we want to do or what we want to doing before it happens. We're trying, you know, to, to shape that. But, you know, from, from the heart conversation to the humor conversation, what role do those two play in your business success for you being, you know, selling and working with social media examiner, getting sponsors to come into the, the social media marketing world arena. I mean, I, I feel like your humor offsets a lot of things where not only does it set the guard down, but it turns the conversation. Uh, we saw Cliff Ravenscrafts, a good friend of ours, um, just kind of fall in love with your vlog to the point where he did a vlog about your vlog, which is kind of like meta vlogging of vlogging exactly. or something like that. But I think, you know, the, the role of humor I actually, one of the takeaways for me from this trip was you kind of allowed me, you know, you inspired me to kind of be the humorous side of myself, right? I enjoy joking around. I'm pretty good at, you know, I, I have like that side of me. And it reminded me like, Brian, you need to do more of that. Or Brian, we need to, we need, Brian needs to embrace a little bit more of my humor in the business that I'm doing. But what role do you think humor plays for you and, and what, where your business is successful? Yeah, I think humor has always been something that I try to keep bottled up a lot of times in professional settings. And, and the more I let it go, I think the the better I do uh, because it's just me. I, I look back to like Gary Vaynerchuk where he talks about if he stopped cussing, he probably could get more followers, maybe, but he wouldn't be his genuine self. And then that's a terrible place to be. I like making people laugh. Now, I, I did have 
for years, I heard it when you heard it. There wasn't a filter. It didn't go through a process and then come out. So I could say things that could end up being really hurtful and not realizing it, you know? And so I've gotten a lot better at that for sure, where I'm saying things that normally are funny, but not necessarily putting people down. There'll be moments where that will happen. And sometimes people deserve it. But like you, I think you said, the more I like someone, kind of the more I tease them, you know, the more I make fun of them, or at least I joke with them. But I'm a guy that can, I can dish it, but I can totally take it too. Like it makes me laugh. Like even when I was interviewing Joel and he started making fun of me, it's funny. I even left it in. There's probably people that would take it out, you know, and I thought it was funny, but I, I need to embrace it more because it is, there is nothing like laughing and having a good time. And I, I wish I had a position where all I had to do was write the jokes and see people laugh from the written word. Because I think a lot of times people think when you're trying to make people laugh, you're seeking attention. And, um, if I wanted, I always make this joke, like where people are like, whether it's the vlog or something else, listen, everyone, if I wanted to have been famous, make money, making people laugh, I could have done that. I had this, this Hollywood lifestyle is all about nepotism and connections. And I had both, I could have taken full advantage of that. And really the lifestyle is a lot of really hard work and raising kids four kids and trying to be in that industry, we can't really control when people call you and say, hey, we need you to be here tomorrow night. You're going to do a set. It's a lot different than kind of your setup where you're, 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 you know, you're booking gigs months in advance and you can make arrangements for your kids and things of that. It just wasn't possible. It might be possible now if I really wanted to look at it. But, and I think it took a while for even my job today. I remember the first time I was doing like a talk uh, with the trainer, with the, train, uh, with the volunteers, kind of do a training volunteer talk. Um, I honestly didn't think my boss thought I was that funny. And he was in front row just rolling at the stuff I was saying. And it was like, because you can't see it. Like the only way I know if someone thinks I'm funny online is if they put a ha ha or like or an LOL because right. you don't see it. And then I just saw him front row dying. He was just laughing like the whole time. And then I saw the video where you can just hear he's like the, the loudest laugher in it. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then, you know, a few weeks later, he's like, Damon, would you mind writing some kind of funny stuff for us? And it's hard because it's not a like a funny brand, you know, like it would be, I could write stuff for Wendy's. I don't know if I can necessarily write stuff for our company, but it's a huge part of just who I am. And I don't think you have to be funny to be successful, but I think if you are funny, you have to embrace it and use it. I have always believed in the educating and entertaining at the same time. Brian, I think you do a great job of that. You bring in things. And actually just so people know, they're like, Oh my gosh, he made fun of Anthony Bourdain. I was impressed when I met Brian that he'd been to 73 countries. It's four, 74. 74. I always say 73. 74 countries. And Anthony, we think, had been to about 81. And he basically said that he's going to be able to catch him at some point. You know, I mean, because Anthony can't do any more traveling. It, it, it's not like a it, – it wasn't that bad of a joke. You know what I mean? It was like right. – but it was shocking to me that you were even close to him in regards to countries. Like, that <laughs> shocked me how much traveling, you know, previously for your government job and then currently for speaking – how it's pretty close to 50 50 like just that's a that's a I, I even made the joke i didn't even know there were 73 countries i was like <laughs> i went to la high there's only like 45 you know my history book we hadn't even landed on the moon yet it was so old <laughs> like it was just bad you know this is a bad time to be going to high school in the 80s so humor is a big part of it i'm embracing it more um and and to be honest you know who really made me feel like i could embrace it at 47 years old was the 50 year old will smith mm. i was seeing what will was doing online and thought if he's doing that at 50 and granted, I don't have a, I don't have a reputation as being funny in the sense that if you don't know me, you don't know that I'm funny. Right. I thought that's what really kind of encouraged me. Um, and the other thing that encouraged me is I'll t- try to tell a really quick story. When I got sober 21 years ago, I would go to AA meetings and I wouldn't see anyone 26 in these meetings. 
Mm-hmm. And so one time I picked a meeting and I just stayed. And what I noticed over time was happening were more 20 somethings were coming and staying because there was another 20 something there. I think the reason there's not a lot of 47 to an older like vloggers or regular video makers is because that seems like a 20, 30 something kind of thing to do. Right. But I do remember that I really fell in love with KC Neistat's vlog. And the first time I realized his fan base, there was so much in that 12 to 17. I was like, why am I watching this if that's who likes him? It was a weird moment. So then I thought, right. you know, this the lifestyle I'm living, the traveling full time, that's usually for retired people, um, being entertaining. And I just started to embrace the fact that I, just because I don't see me online doing this doesn't mean that I shouldn't be doing it. Right. You know, there's probably a real niche for me. And there's probably people that are 10 years younger, 15 years younger that would like to see someone kind of my age doing it. And so I think that's what I've really embraced that kind of. And, you know, after 103 episodes, uh, I feel like, okay, you know what? This is something that I want to continue to do because I think there is a niche for it, even in my age group. It still will be hard for me to walk around holding a camera in my face. I think that's a, a millennial thing to do, but I'll break through it. It's a discipline I need to break through in order to make these videos even better. Well, you know, you, there was lots of snorting going on in this trip. We were actually joking that we did a snort counter uh, between uh, Canada, Amanda Robinson. We had Jessica Phillips snorting. Then we had Caitlin and Amy uh, at the end uh, snorting as well, which is kind of funny, like in a sense of like people are so comfortable. We are, it was joking, a lot of fun. Um, and I think there's also an element, you know, you talked about being sober for 21 years, um, being able to, you know, kind of embrace that, you know, a different lifestyle, different things that you have going on in your life. But also, you know, what we kind of, I think we learned on this road trip as well is that, you know, it, there's there's lots of dynamics that you have to be able to, to deal with, right? Like not only content creation, but you have to understand different people from different walks of life, being able to relate to different people. And I think, you know, relatability is something that is extremely valuable and important. I think there's oftentimes people are intimidated by someone's appearance or intimidated by someone's job role. And I, I agree with you. Like when you watch someone that you believe is someone you look up to willing to do what you do on a normal day basis, like your the respect level goes through the roof. Right. And, and I mean, I had multiple people that were, were, that came up to me, you know, at a couple of events and being like, wow, anything that, you know, Damien's asked to do, he's willing to do it. Right. And I think to me, I'm like, of course he is. Cause he's a stand-up guy that is, you know, doing good things. And, and the fact that, you know, to go back even to the military, like, the fact that that's shocking for people. I, I think, you know, in, in this world we're living in today, I, if if you're supporting people or looking up to people that are looking down at you and think they're better than you, I, I question why you're even following them or why you, you, that disconnect is. But um, to kind of take this into like the, the road trip and what we learned and where um, things are going, I, it's amazing for me. We were able really to connect with kind of grassroots social media conferences and connect them into the bigger picture of social media marketing world, which you work for social media marketing world. Uh, I've spoken there for the last four years, attended for the, for five years total. Um, but I'm curious from your standpoint, like what are, what are some of the things that, that surprised you or maybe you learned about the social media community on this road trip that you'll be able to now better sell or better take into your, to, into your role at social media examiner? Yeah. So one, I was, I was actually shocked being in such a small like social media community that, a lot of people didn't know about social media examiner and social media marketing world. Now, obviously in Wichita, because three or four of the people that are involved in that group either work for social media examiner full-time or contractors, they've been able to say that enough to the point where people understand it. But with both Lima and Denver, I was kind of like thrown back 
because I've been following examiners since 2009. And back then, social media and marketing was a big part. Like you, if you're in social media and doing marketing, you have to know about social media examiner. It's just one of those. Sure. It, it would almost like when I still run into people that, that are in marketing and sales and don't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, I'm really like, wait, what? Like it's, it, it's, it's like twice in the trip for someone that like, I definitely didn't expect. I'm like, what? How did, never, how did like, I'm not I'm not even looking if you like him or don't like him, but to have never heard of him, like how has he never shown up in your feed or even one of his books? So um I think that is what was like I just had a conversation this morning with my boss talking about how I still need to have the ability to promote the event. I'm not selling tickets to the event in any way, but I still gotta have that connection with that. But I also feel like when regards to social media, I feel like brands want to put out a reputation and people that's different than what they really are, which is really hard to maintain. And I think and vice versa, it's weird. I saw people that are really all put together online and I meet them in person and they're not, I don't recognize them. I actually had the, the reverse where someone that's so relaxed online, but got really kind of dolled up for the event. And I didn't recognize her at first. She even had to like, I was like, oh my gosh, same person, obviously same voice. And it's kind of that moment where you're like, I know you, but I don't know you. I love events too, because of name badges. But mostly on the road trip and being at these events, it's all about the in real life relationships. There's, you know, I think I made that 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 kind of joke to you where there's there's knowing someone online. I'll even use his name. There's knowing Joel Com online. There's knowing him in person, and then there's sleeping on his couch. <laughs> that there's different levels of kind of like Joel Com will never forget me now because I slept on his couch one night. You know what I mean? Like you always. You'll always have that. And I feel like you need to find those moments. You don't have to sleep on everyone's couch, relax. But I think you need to find those moments where you and I, no matter what happens, we'll be friends forever because of an 11-day road trip. Same thing with Amanda, same thing with Strub. And there'll even be some really great relationships with some of the people that joined us in and out on the road. Um, but getting out and getting face-to-face -face is so important. And I'm still trying to kind of convince even my work about that, that I can't tell you the immediately ROI on going to an event, but I will encourage everyone when you go to an event, you got to split your time up in thirds. You got to spend a third of your time listening and learning, a third of your time networking. And I know for some employers, this is going to be hard. Let them have a third of their time having fun. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I'll give you a little tip. When you're sending an employee to an event, give them two days after the event to stay in the city they're in and explore the city. You're going to have a loyalty from an employee that you'll never experience. Plus, they're going to take time to unload everything they learned before they get home and get back to their life. So they'll even get more out of the event. And uh, it gives me goosebumps kind of thinking of, of like an employer that would do that. Like, hey, you're going to be in San Diego. The event ends Friday. I don't want you flying home till Sunday. I want you to spend Friday night and all set. Do the zoo. Do the SeaWorld. Do the beaches. Do whatever. That kind of stuff is what really, you know, just it, it's it's incredible what happens when you take yourself out of your normal zone and you're meeting new people and you're doing things that maybe you normally will do, you know, you build relationships. Like I, I can't, like I do, I feel like I need to write a book about it where it's like, <laughs> we need to get back to it. You know, I know Marcus said, you can't go back to the way it was, but I really do feel like there has to be in-person networking. You still have to do it. But again, it, it's very similar to my video series. I don't go into these relationships thinking about how I'm going to monetize it. Right. I just go into it because my phone book will never fill up with the amount of numbers and contacts I can put in it. I'll never have enough data to be able to do that. So why not create those relationships? Because one day someone's going to say something to me like, well, we need someone that really helps us make our brand fun online. And I'll be like, oh, I know a guy.
Same as Fanzo. This is what he does. He makes boring companies fun online. Let me give you his number. And someone's going to do the same thing for me. We need to get in front of five to 7,000 digital marketers. I know a guy. His name's Damien. Your social media marketing world. That's what's important. You know, and I think there's also an element. I, I love all that that you were saying. I think there's also an element of when people are looking at, you know, like the ROI, right? Like you have to also look at ROI, the bigger picture. Like I love that you were saying stay for events because one of the things I always laughed about is people would be like, I send this person to the event and they snuck out of the event early because they wanted to go sightseeing or do A, B, and C. And it's like, well, if you want to give them more value and kind of win a, a chalk bark in their card, why not stay an extra day or send them a, a day early? I had a, a great em- employer early on in my career that realized I was traveling 40 plus weeks a year and just told me, hey, in the summertime, you know, feel free to bring your uh, your wife along at the time. Uh, she can fly for free on our dime. I know she's going to stay with you and eat off of your per diem. Dude, talking about like I worked four X as hard for that that cu- that customer for that boss because he just did something like that, which ended up being like a a seven hundred dollar tack on to my trips. But you know, I was running a a nine million dollar a year budget, so like seven hundred dollars per trip being added on was you know a sneeze, and it, it won things over. And I think there's also you know I think for my audience that's listening to this for from from FOMO fan side, like I talk about being a solopreneur, and I talk about the importance of not working by yourself. I will say what I learned this last eleven days was I also need. I need that interaction. Like I need it probably more. Like I, I've, I've been inspired. 2018 has been my best year as being an entrepreneur, hands down. But I came back feeling a level of new creativity, a level of new inspiration. And this is coming from a guy that's always fired up, right? And I think it was like, wow, I think not only go on a road trip, but like invest serious amounts of time in people, right? The ROI there, I mean, without question, I had two co- companies talk, that I talked to this morning about uh, speaking at a, their events and they're fairly large Fortune 500 companies. Both times came up where they were following me on Instagram and they mentioned Damien, right? Like they mentioned you because you were part of my stories. We were talking about our friendship. And both times I brought up social media marketing world to them saying, hey, that's probably a good event. You want to, you might want to, you know, get and talk, uh, connect with Damien. I'll happily do an introduction, right? Like that, that wasn't the byproduct of us strategically aligning our forces. It was the it was the byproduct of both of us dedicating time to getting to know each other. But we also did work our ass off, right? Like this right, is right. that thing. And I think I got a couple of people, I think you got the same thing, where they, they were seriously FOMO uh, of our, which is perfect for the show, fo- serious FOMO of our trip. And they would caveat and say, I really wish I could have gone, but I was too busy. Right, right. Right. And I was like, wait, we were all too busy. We, there are just a couple of us that decided we're going to make this something that's going to be valuable. And I think that's a lesson that we, I mean, for me, I, I take it away. I got back into my apartment uh, last night and I, it, it, it like hit me how, how more well-rounded I feel, how, how, fe- how I feel enriched with what things I have in the works, what things that we, that we probably will do together is collaborate. And it's like, dude, all that took as a road trip together. I mean, like, right, right. I mean, holy cow, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, I was always impressed with you because I think you were like the last up and the first up, you know what I mean? Or last to, last to go to sleep and the first up in the morning. Like you've got a solid work ethic. You still had your normal stuff that you do during the day to get done. Plus you spoke at all three events. I got kind of lucky. I only speak at the first one and didn't have to think about it. Um, but I think where people make excuses, I think that's where the whole, I don't know if this is going to be backwards. That's where the whole oh, press yeah. the damn button comes from. And right. just real quick, just the reason I put it on the hard drive is I think a lot of people think is press the damn button as getting started, but there are plenty of times where I'm editing it and I don't think it's good enough. And I say to myself, just upload it. It's good enough. You're not going to like it tomorrow anyways, no matter how good it is, but it's good enough for what other people see and stuff. 
what's up, Angus? How's the Clorox? <laughs> Inside joke, he'll get it. It's, it's a good time. And that's a relationship that I was yep, able to there's, get. Right. There's a byproduct I would, of the I would never right there. Yep. And I think that's the, I think there's a weird thing that's going on in our company. I want to, or just in, in companies altogether. And, and also I want to mention something you talked about. I think this is why WeWork is really successful. I think people see it as, well, they rent a cube. No, they don't. They get to interact with other people on a daily basis. Yep. And I think there's a reason why um, a lot of stay-at-home parents kind of go nuts is because they're just not getting the connection they need. And I remember when I had a stay-at-home mom, when I got home, I jingled the keys so she could take the keys and get out and just go do whatever she wanted. So that's where we work has really come into play is I felt I was so much more productive in the last two weeks because I was around people that had higher energy and were doing things constantly and just giving of themselves the whole time they were there. I mean, we were exhausted most nights because we were <laughs> staying up with people, talking, brainstorming, letting people pick our brains, do all this different stuff, plus getting to know each other picking our brains. The idea of not just a road trip, but like flying into the same cabin and spending a weekend all together and just coming up with ideas to just talk about our own businesses and things we could do and share contacts is huge. Um, and that was the point about WeWork. I can't really remember the second point. Now well, I love the WeWork example because I think this is where I say like I, people want to be a part of something, right? And WeWork, that's what it enables. Like you're buying that square footage, but it allows you to be a part of kind of an exclusive community. When you go to those floors and WeWork, everyone's getting along. You're like, how did you group all these people together? And I think it was you that said it on stage. I can't remember if it was you or not that said about, you know, school being the only place that, you know, they put us with people that are the same age. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a whole, yeah. There's a whole thing where it talks about, Oh no, I think Angus said it, but I have a thing that I always say that school was set up where we're basically learned how to work in factories. Um, and Correct. people don't know that that was actually the mindset. It was to teach kids how to go to work in factories. You basically sat in a room, you had one manager, you had daily tasks, you took the task home. It was to set you up to not think, you know, like I've talked about recently, you know, it's not about thinking outside of the box. It's kind of realizing who put you in a box <laughs> and then going from that. And I think that's where I think I've really learned is why am I afraid to do things? Why am I afraid? I, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, I shot a video in my shower and I was wearing a bathing suit, but the idea was to show people that you have time to make content. I made content while in the shower. And so I'm using kind of some of my visual examples. Now, should a sales guy who's all tatted up, take his shirt off and be in a shower? Uh, I can't tell you, but I will tell you, it is the video from a guy and girl perspective. Don't just think, you know, the ladies thought it was nice because trust me, this is a little... <laughs> It was really like you made a really good point. The box one, again, my shirt was on that time. Coming out of the box was like, those are the two that made a really good point. And I feel like we are really afraid. We live in fear. When you and I did that table talk, that's all we heard from people wanting to do video is they came up with all the fear excuses and they want someone to validate their fear. Yep. And I'm just like, it's not something you need to worry about. Worry about it when you get a cease and desist letter or if you get a if you do this again letter, then worry about it. I mean, don't do anything stupid or illegal, but <laughs> the, the things that people were coming up with were really just like almost eye opening where it's like, man, we really do live in this fear. We try to find fear. Why I can't do this. I lived in that. I thought a sales guy who is really doing B2B shouldn't be doing these kind of videos. But I thought, well, it doesn't matter. This is my personal brand. But you really can't separate yourself sometimes from your personal brand and the mm -hmm. company you work for. So I, I do try to keep it, you know, it's not, you're not getting 100% Damien. You've been around 100% Damien. It's a lot different, but you're still getting at least 85% of Damien in my videos. And that's because I do have to keep it 
somewhat professional and I can be a hundred percent non-professional for sure. We but yeah, true. yeah. And I, and I think, yeah. And, but I really think that's what it's about. It's about getting rid of kind of the fear. The fear is really, it's messing up a lot of people. And, and there's the fear of it's not my idea, or if it's the fear, we've never done it that way. Or if it's the fear, it won't work. I'm always like, how do you know it won't work? Yep. Yeah. It's and kind it, of, yeah. You know, and this is why this is why I wanted to jump on. This is a perfect way to kind of wrap a whole bow on sure. this. But another thing about you, you know, the the show and things that people have to realize is that you know, we people immediately hear success, and, we, and we're talking about the road to three hundred. And we talked about Cliff Ravenscraft giving you a shout out. We talked about you know Joel Com cameoed in it. I cameoed uh, in episode ninety eight. Amanda Robinson was in episode ninety nine. Episode one hundred, we were all uh, sitting around the couch, uh, and the amount of people that I watched want to be a part of your video. I mean, like it literally was the name dropping like, Oh, well you're going to shoot, uh, you know, episode 97, you know, you are here on my couch or you are my dog. Mia even said that when we were on that couch. And here's the thing that I want my audience to know. This isn't a show that has millions of views. This isn't a show that, you know, is, is blowing up out of the world. This is a show that you're dedicated to, right. That is, that has a small audience that's growing uh, without question, you know, and I think the road trip is one of those things that it was nice to bring more people to the, the craft and talent that you have, but people want to be a part of something, even if it's little. So if you're, if you're afraid of like, how should I start this and who's going to want to care about it? I mean, I can, I'm probably talking for you, Damien, in this sense, but like, I'm guessing when you started this, you didn't think that people would, especially these people that are in this community, would want to be a part of this project like they are now. It's like, I, I guarantee you're going to have a list by the time you get to 150 of like 100 people that are begging to be on your show. I mean, talk about a little bit about that, because I think this is something most people assume like, hey, you have that guy on, you're talking about his YouTube channel. He must be super popular and that's why he's driven and I'm not that popular I mean, some of those videos, like I went back and watched some of your earlier videos. There's some on YouTube that have 20 views, right? There's some that, that have 15 views. But if you look at the byproduct, your consistency, where it's gone, look how look at look at that. And I think that's that's the press the damn button. Like you wouldn't know that Brian Fanzo and Joel Kahn would want to be on your show unless you press the button and did 100 episodes. Totally. I, I And again, I, I YouTube has been something that I haven't put forth probably the metrics that I really need to. Um, obviously I'm a huge fan of Roberto Blake and Owen video. And I know if I took a lot of the things that they're teaching, I could grow my YouTube channel. But again, that's not, that will be part of it when I was sitting down with Amy Landino and holy crap, I'm dropping names right now. Um, (laughs) and I was just, you know, picking brain on stuff like, and I realized that the growth is going to happen. I'm totally fine going slow especially on youtube facebook has really been where the videos have done really well because there's already these connections and people have shared it um you know cliff ravenscraft to do almost a 14 minute vlog and then to even comment sense and i actually got recognized in the portland airport by a gal that's his follower and it does it does shock you man like because i'm not i'm not being recognized unless you know me you know what i mean not recognize me through online but being at these events and i feel like I do have to remind people because it was happening somewhere in the seventies where things were really changing, where, you know, it was getting shared a lot and creating, we've heard this a lot, stop creating content to get likes, create content to get shares. And I think that is, it's easy to say that, but it's harder to actually do it. It is. It's really hard to, but I think the main thing is the consistency. I, if I can preach anything and you know, whether it's weekly or daily, I think those are really, that's your, that's because I don't want you to do anything hourly. But whether it's daily or weekly, and I think that's your spectrum, you have to do it. Now, I will say the event, what I learned through this road trip was that I got to up my story game, that I got to up my micro. 
because the video is a macro, even though it's only three minutes long, it's a macro kind sure. of content that I'm doing. I need to up my, 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 wait, my micro game in the sense that you, I really saw how you're able to do that, engage with people. And I see too, like, you know, I have to up my interaction and I don't know how people, I don't know how a Casey Neistat or even an Amy Landino, how they do it with that many subs and that many followers, like how they stay in communication. But I think it's like anything after about a 30 days. And that's probably why a lot of people preach this, do it for 30 days. Um, you do get addicted. I'm, I'm addicted. Like, and just so everyone knows the road to 300 was, there's three goals and each one has a 300 theme. And one of them was to do 300 videos within a year. So I gave myself a 65 day buffer because there's times where I don't have internet connection and there's just going to be bumps, but so far, you know, 103 for 103, it's worked out but I've given myself the opportunity to miss it. I don't want to now. I really want to try to do 365 in a row. I'm a third of the way there, you know, almost, you know, again, I went to LA high. My math's a little weird. So <laughs> like once I get to that 122, I'll be right there on course to, to hit it. So for me, I think it's, it's just the, the consistency is really, really the, like the key ingredient to video content, especially video content. It's I just did a whole IGTV episode today on that topic because I've been watching a lot of IGTV, which is Instagram's new TV channel. For those that are listening that aren't familiar with it, I haven't really done a show on that, that um, fully yet. I will do one. Are you going to um, do a course? A lot of people launch a new daily show. And uh, I watched the first two days and now we're seven days in and I've only watched the first two days because they can't even stick up to their consistency. Right. And like, I'm a big believer in managing expectations. If you're going to say you're going to do something, you know, I don't care if it's a month, just do it every month. You know, if it's a week, do it every week, whatever that may be. And like, even you and I were joking, like you're, you're, you know, you, you decide the rules, right. You put it out there. I'm going to do one of these 300 of 365 days, but you're going to shoot it. It doesn't mean, you know, it might come out, after midnight, you might have to edit it. You're like, but you're going to record it. And that's how you're, you're taking it into effect. And I think that consistency is important. I think not only is, is it important, but if you want to build trust with people, you want to build an audience, you want to build rapport, you, you have to go all in on it. And I, I think that's definitely a lesson. Uh, you know, the storytelling aspect as well. Like people know that on Instagram, like I, I didn't do, it was probably six months ago. I went a full 24 hours without an Instagram story in my feed. I got like nine text messages dude, you okay? Everything okay over there? Like what's going on? Like, cause they know, they consistently know Brian's going to deliver some kind of value on Instagram stories seven days a week. Right. And like, I, and it's just, that is so like, to me, it was like, Oh, I guess I better kill it. So it's pretty cool to, to have that feeling when you know you're missed. Cause if nobody cared, you'd be like, well, should I, should I keep doing it? Um, I think the, the last question I want to bring, I, I kind of, Oh, couple of people are giving me a hard time about a book. Right. Cause that's another thing we, you and I talked about that. Right. I, I want to put a book out. I need to put a book out. I have a desire to put a book out. I just haven't done it yet. Um, but it's definitely something that I want to have out there, but um, what, and this is a great question. I just asked this question and this is a good one to kind of go in there. You're, you're a digital nomad. You're a dad, you're doing a vlog series. You have a whole bunch of things going on. The digital nomad one, we didn't even really tap into too much on this show. We'll probably save that for another time. Guys, you will, you will hear more from Damien and future stuff that I have working on. But what are you, what's the most overrated or underrated aspect of being a digital nomad? Um, I you know I think a lot of people think it's the most amazing lifestyle that there can be, and I think if funds are unlimited, it definitely can be. Um, but there are times we stay in very tight kind of campgrounds, and then you're almost like, man, we live in a trailer park. 
<laughs> and you, you know, you make up those moments by being the only rig for 25 miles on a lake. And then there's those moments. I think the, the thing that hurts me the most is people think I'm on vacation. <laughs> and I think it's literally like if you met someone that lived in Hawaii, would you say, oh, that's cool. You're on vacation all the time. And that's the actual, I get that my lifestyle looks like living in, you know, uh, you know, I'll just kind of turn it, living in a big kind of fifth wheel that my lifestyle looks like. Uh, a retired kind of vacation, but it's not. I'm actually parked in someone's driveway right now as we're here for the rodeo. And you um, work your ass off. For those that, I mean, like, I got to be there right with them. We were pulling the car over for phone calls. I mean, you were, I mean, you, there, there, and I agree with you, like, that, the outside looking in, that is definitely something, um, you know, that people kind of get wrong. I get that a lot too. They're like, man, it must be nice that you get to travel the world and go to all these places. I'm like, I love traveling, but, you know, you don't also say it's nice when I'm in a layover or I missed a flight or, uh, you know, living out of a suitcase. Like we, two of us were more excited about having a fact we could go do laundry. Oh, yeah. than we I've were never been so else. excited about doing laundry. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't want your life, Brian, just because I don't do well, you know, in airplanes for that long. I, I just, that's different for me. I know you've got it down now to a science and maybe someday I, I would much rather travel in my rig for sure. I think the other thing too, that's really, you know, kind of interesting is that, you know, internet's tough, but it's gotten so much better. And I think people, I've had so many people say, oh, I want to do this, but, 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 but. No, you don't. Because I literally decided to do this. I, the idea hit me October of 2016. By April of 2017, I had purchased the rig. And June 1, we took off. This wasn't years of planning. I knew I wanted to get out of California once my youngest got old. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I figured this is a way to do it again, it, it, but I had no idea how it would help me in sales. It's really helped me. People are interested in the lifestyle. I just wasn't creating content, <laughs> but it's like any other life, you know, I, I'll do it for a, probably a couple of years. And, but I always think this type of travel, whether it's road trips in a, you know, an SUV, or if it's in a big rig like this, I think it's going to be in my life forever. And, but I think I, I would like to have a home base again at some point, uh, especially like, you know, being at Joel comms, I was like, It'd be nice to have a home, you know, with a view like this to come home to. I'm not a city kid anymore, but I could do that. 23rd floor, for those that don't know, he slept on the couch. And if you're trying to picture that, you listen to the podcast. A 6'9 dude on any couch is pretty funny to wake up to. I came walking out of the air mattress that I was sleeping on at Joel's. And I was like, damn, that's a big dude on the couch. But that, that I mean, Joel, shout out to Joel. I mean, he has a beautiful space, well-earned. It has glass on all sides. He's on the corner. It overlooks Mile High Stadium there in Denver. Um, it was pretty awesome. It was. Uh, Let me say something about that too, really quick. I feel there's a lot of people that would be in his place and throw shade and hate because he has something they want. Where I said was, here's a guy that's put out 15 books. He's worked his ass off. If he can't have it, what chance do I have of having it? And I relished in his success. Like yeah. it made me happy. I, hug, I hugged him so strong. I was like, I'm so happy and so proud of him because he, right. he freaking deserves it. He's shared that he's had eight locations in eight years. And it's like to actually have this permanent resident and to be able to, I think the amount of creativity that's going to come out of this guy, having that office view and that office setup and that kind of stuff. Like it gives me goosebumps again. Like that's why can't we be excited? Why do we have to take it back to why don't I get to have this? Why don't I get that? You know, it's no fair that he gets this. I was like, this is, this is amazing. I'm so stoked for him. And we just need more of that. We need more of, you know, I, and I will say that over this series, there's been a lot of public encouragement, which has been great, but there's been a lot of DM encouragement. And, and maybe I don't know if it's, they don't want it public that, you know, and again, I think we need to get out of the who's above who in the space. Let's just, we're all equals, you know, 
And, you know, there are people that have thousands of subs and thousands of videos and they're not having the impact I'm having with my hundreds of views and my hundreds of videos. So stop doing that. But yes. what I really felt was those DMs from people that if you had to do that, you know, 300,000 plus subs, I have 200 subs, 300,000 are DMing me. I just love your content. What are you doing? What are you using? What kind of mic? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're, you're the guy teaching this. Yep. And you're just still wanting to ask that question because again, you see, and it's funny too, you know, I'll just tell you right now, has shit to do with the equipment, has shit to do with the editing style. I will say again, it's all about the consistency. It doesn't matter. You'll, if you like what Brian said, if you look at some of my earlier videos, it's not that they're bad. I just wasn't finding my voice yet. And if I really tried to sit down and write a plan, like this is going to be my voice, it wouldn't be what it is today. I think you really do find your voice as you're going. And uh, just don't look back at those videos. Just keep right. going. Well, that's the, that's the press the button, right? Like you press the button and figure it out. I, I mean, I'm going to use yours on stage where you can play episode one and play episode 75 or episode 98 just because I'm in it. Of course, I would want me to be in it. You know, of course. Yes. Uh, you can press 100. 100 is good and you're in it. Oh, yeah, it's true. 100 is good as well. Um, but like, you know, you know, finding your voice, finding your rapport. And I think for those that are out there for this episode, like, you know, I really wanted to bring Damien on. Damien's going to be on, on other stuff we're doing. We're going to collaborate on a bunch of stuff. Um just we connected at a whole freaking different level, which you know makes my year, makes the reason that whole trip was worth it. But there's also an element of like this podcast. Like I was hanging out with someone that has two over two million um, downloads on their podcast, and I have yet to hit a half million on this podcast. And I had two people come up to me at that event we were at in Wichita and give me a giant hug and how much they love FOMO fans, and it's a podcast they love. And the person with two million subs put their arm around me and said, "I would kill." to have that kind of relationship with my audience. And th that person, I, and I'll give her a lot of her, she was really down to earth. And she's like, how did you do that? You know, she has from the outside in, she has a, you know, a, a podcast that is, you know, at least four X more successful than mine. It's, it's on one of the front pages of iTunes, but I think it is, it does come down to those human relationships and amount of people that you impact. And, you know, I think I'll wrap this bow on this and say, Damien, you're a great dude. You had a massive impact on me. I'm so glad that you reached out. And for those that don't know, like, if you want to do a road trip, you want to get to know people, just ask. Like if Damien hadn't really asked me or Phil 